Hello, and welcome to the Double Double. My name is Kelly Hogan, and joining me, as always, from Middletown, Connecticut, David Dixon. David, how's it going? Kelly, doing doing fantastic. Week one of the NFL in the books. Uh, it was a great weekend of football. Classes are getting into the swing of things here, getting the semester off off strong. Uh, and we're just uh, excited to be back. We just got a ping pong table today for the house, so that'll be a great development. And uh, yeah, just just looking forward to talking about uh, all these games. Definitely. So we got some interesting week one action to go over. We're going to hit on some winners and losers of the week, but I think we got to start in Miami, Dave. Lamar Jackson put on an absolute aerial display in his hometown. He was 17 for 20 for 324 yards and tossed five touchdowns and the Ravens beat the Dolphins 59 to 10 and the game was over well before halftime you kind of you know scoffed at my Lamar Jackson MVP long shot take and I'm not gonna take a take a victory lap yet but that prediction is looking pretty good after week one I have to say yeah you know you 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 know called out Lamar Jackson as a long shot and I said I think my direct quote was, dear God, when you said that. There's a lot of people on Twitter who, uh, you know, called me out on it. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to own it. And uh, I would just like to remind everyone that it was against the Dolphins who are trying to lose. So I don't know how. Let's let's see how it goes against a team really trying to win. Obviously, he looks really good, and people are talking about how the Ravens built all the speed around Jackson to take him to make use of like his specific skill set, which is funny when you think about it because it's like you're praising a team for being smart. It's like, oh, we have a player who's good at this, so let's build around that skill. And everyone's like, oh, great job, great job. It's like, well, that's just like, isn't that what you should be doing? They definitely should be doing it, but I still think it's impressive that Jim Harbaugh and that coaching staff were able to have a fairly successful team built around Joe Flacco and then suddenly transform that into a successful offense that has totally different principles and, you know, they're they're not necessarily running the same scheme with Lamar Jackson. So I think that's impressive, but no, I, I agree that I'm not really sure how much they should be applauded to just playing to their strengths because Lamar Jackson is one heck of an athlete back there. And I think that it was obviously they played really well. The defense looked good. They had they had a lot of deep touchdowns, which will to be seen if those will be able to, to, to keep happening. But what I'm wondering on the Miami side of it, so Miami trades for Josh Rosen, and they decide to start Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, makes sense fine give him a week let rosen you know grow into it but if you're really going to aim for a top three pick this year and you're probably going to take think about taking a quarterback wouldn't you want to know and have as much tape to evaluate josh rosen in your system under coach flores as you as you possibly can like i understand fitzpatrick might give you best chance to win as much of a chance as that could be in weeks one to four, but shouldn't you? But I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't given Rosen more of a chance just to see, hey, what do we have them? We're going to be bad anyway. Let's just throw them out there. I mean, has anyone been dealt a worse hand to start their career than Josh Rosen? No. 
it's incredible. I don't, I don't have an explanation for why they're at least not giving him a shot because you would think if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the Ryan Fitzpatrick that he's been his entire career and there's no reason to think otherwise, he's going to mess around and win you a couple of games. Maybe, maybe not with that roster, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's a known commodity. You know what he is. You don't know what you have in Josh Rosen. And like you said, before you invest a top pick in a Tua or whoever the quarterback may be, Jake Fromm, I, I'm not sure why you're at least not giving him a shot because if you're this bad, you really don't have anything to lose. Yeah, I have a hard time believing it's because they don't want him to play in behind that offensive line because he traded Laramie Tunsil to Houston. But the line that he had in Arizona was bad too. Last thing I want to say on this game is just Hollywood Brown is electric. He played 12 snaps, had four catches for 147 yards and a pair of touchdowns. So, you know, that connection between he and he and Lamar is going to be something to watch. He's obviously a deep ball threat, but it's also two half of his catches were touchdowns. So we'll see if that's sustainable going forward. He might be like the new Ted Ginn type where he'll have a bunch of really long touchdowns and put up some really big games but week to week will be to be seen if he's that consistent let's stay in florida dave jacksonville kansas city the story from this game is the nick Foles injury and so he broke his left collarbone early in the first half and he's likely out until it it looks as though it's probably going to be november how big of a blow do you think this is for the jaguars Oh, I mean, it's huge. It's huge because you're basically back to where you were last year with Bortles with a talented roster, but with no quarterback. I I, I agree. And I think Garner Garner Minshew was impressive as a rookie quarterback thrown into the fire unexpectedly against a team that was nearly in the Super Bowl last year. But with that said, this is a team that is coming off a disappointing season, but just two years ago, they were a game away from the Super Bowl, as we've kind of harped on in the past. And that quarterback position is the biggest question mark. And for that, all of the hope that Nick Foles kind of brought to the Jaguars organization this offseason after signing from the Eagles is, you know, kind of up in smoke less than a half into their season. And that kind of that kind of sucks. I mean, who would have thought that Gardner Minshew would have been the first QB to play from this draft class? Yeah. And he looks pretty good. He's not going to be the reason, Garner Minshew, that the Jaguars fall apart. And I think, you know, they're either going to rally around him and, and be in contention when Foles returns, or they're going to they're going to crumble and be out, be out of it. But if they crumble, I don't really think it's going to be because the, the lights are, are too big for, for Garner Minshew, because honestly, it looked like he belonged and could kind of at least keep the ship afloat. He threw some really good footballs on Sunday. And the biggest takeaway for me was not anything to do with Jacksonville. It was Kansas City's defense is still really bad. Yeah. And that could be a thing that really hurts them again in the playoffs because you're going to have to play the Patriots. I mean, you're going to have to play them. And, I, you know, Tom Brady scored any time he wanted to last year. And, yes, you could say that they were a half-yard offside penalty away from making the Super Bowl. But if they're going to be in shootouts, it puts too much pressure on Mahomes that over the course of this season, like, it's going to be way too much pressure on the offense like, to keep being able to score that much. Their defense needs to get better, and I don't know how they do it. 
I think the defense is a concern and Tyreek Hill going down, that's also a concern. But if Sammy Watkins plays the way that he played on Sunday, I mean, when Tyreek Hill does come back, that's going to be one heck of a, a duo. I mean, Sammy Watkins, everyone remembers kind of the career he had at Clemson and how highly touted he was coming out of the draft and here's a guy he was drafted ahead of you know Odell and Mike Evans and and Devontae Adams and you know a couple other wide receivers who have had better careers than him up to this point but if he's able to consistently produce at the level that he did on Sunday with or without Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes chucking bombs in that offense that is going to be tough to watch and then also, I was impressed by LaShawn McCoy because he looked I wasn't good. really sure what yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure what to expect because he was kind of jettisoned out of Buffalo and he was in Kansas City for barely a week and he got he had eleven touches for, for ninety-three yards and doesn't really pop off the screen or anything, but just another back there as a weapon for for Mahomes and Andy Reid to to utilize now that obviously Kareem Hunt is gone, the more weapons obviously the better and that's the thing too it's like i feel like kansas city has figured out that it's way better to just have a lot of running backs because over the course of a season you kind of just feed the hot hand and they're all multi-dimensional and you can see mccoy start taking screen passes and stuff it, that's a very dangerous pickup minnesota atlanta david going into the weekend this i thought would be one of the better games on the slate but the vikings really took the falcons to the woodshed i do just want to remind everyone though that the Vikings, when we did our pod way back, I feel like I'm doing a little too much, you know, victory lapping around here. But I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, so you know I'm feeling kind of good about that pick and my Lamar pick. But um, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to be no, wrong. no, 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 no. Like I, I touted my Toronto Raptors pick. I still am. So definitely pat yourself on the back. Oh, you got to. If you don't, no one else will. But um, I don't know. What were your major takeaways from this game? My major takeaways are, what is Atlanta? Are they the team that tricks us every year? Is, or are they the team that just is just had a bad week? Like, their defense is bad. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. I think Dalvin Cook ran the ball like 38 times, or, or or Minnesota ran the ball 38 times. Kirk Cousins only threw 10 passes. Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins was, was 8 for 10 for 98 yards and, and a touchdown, and granted, that's probably when Kirk Cousins is at his best, when he's not asked to do too much. But I can't remember the last time in an NFL game that a team was, I mean, the Vikings were up 28 to nothing at one point, and their quarterback barely cracked double-digit attempts. In 2019, Kelly... In the modern NFL, the fact that a starting quarterback who didn't get taken out and in a non-blowout situation threw 10 passes and his name was not Tim Tebow is extraordinary. It is. And just circling back to what you were saying about the Falcons and kind of how concerned should we be, last year, everyone kind of gave him a mulligan just because they had some injuries right off the bat. To their defense that really crippled them and, and put them behind the eight ball they signed julio just before this game also julio's you know next level holdout essentially waiting until mere days before the game to to threaten a holdout that's 
you know, that's next level thinking on his part. But we talked a little bit about first coach fired, and you mentioned how putrid Atlanta's defense was in this game. Dan Quinn is serving as their defensive coordinator right now. He's their head coach and also calling the defensive plays. I think he's a sneaky first coach fired candidate if this thing goes off the rails because the Falcons are playing at home on Sunday night against the Eagles. That's not going to be an easy game. They have some tough divisional games coming up. I'm not saying he's going to be the first coach fired, but I wouldn't rule it out either. How much of a grace period do you get for making a Super Bowl? That's that's a good question, and especially a Super Bowl in which you held a 28-3 to lead and blew it. I mean, it feels like Dan Quinn has, has almost out of all patience that the ownership is going to give him. I think you're right on. First coach fired because this is a really talented roster. And Matt Ryan puts up stats. You could argue that there are a lot of times in garbage time and in games and in situations where it doesn't mean much to the outcome. But he's a guy who has an MVP. And it's like you have an MVP caliber quarterback. You need to be competing in these games. And, And they just looked overmatched against the Vikings. And partially... The Vikings played really well. I think the Vikings are very good, but it will be seen hopefully in the next couple of weeks of just how good are the Vikings. And it will be and it will be a test once Cousins has to do stuff. They get Green Bay this weekend, so that will be that'll be one to watch. Yeah. So Monday night, David, Houston and New Orleans, this might have been the most dramatic ending of any game this weekend, and quite frankly, we might look back on it and it could be one of the games of the season. Many were kind of questioning whether Drew Brees would, would fall off this year, and he's 40, and the latter part of last season, he did kind of take a nosedive, but I thought he played pretty well. He threw for 370 yards and two touchdowns and was and was surgical when it mattered most on that last drive. Yeah, I mean, the, the Saints were flowing. It was a little bit of a of a slow start, but but they were flowing, man. And Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees, it's, you wonder when – these guys who are old, like Breeze and Brady, when you're going to start to see that decline. And when you just watch Breeze, just he doesn't look 39 years old. Not at all. He looks like he's 32. And you really wonder how much longer he can keep doing this. And it really helps that they give him so many weapons. It's Because when you watch him, he's not really throwing huge deep balls the way he used to, like 60 yards down the field to Marquise Colston or to Ted Ginn. It's like Alvin Kamara matches up against a linebacker. Boom, get it to him, 12 yards. Michael Thomas, great route. Boom, nine yards, you know? It's chunk plays where you get it the, the ball out of his hands into dynamic playmakers who they have and let those guys do it. He's so smart. He knows exactly where to put the ball and how to put guys in situations. Like Alvin Kamara is always open. Partially because he's really good and partially because Breeze and Peyton get him the best matchups because they know that they, hey, if we get the ball to Kamara a lot, we're probably going to win. Yeah, Kamara's a hell of a player. And just in the grand scheme of things, it's only week one. But I think this was a huge win for the Saints just because everyone, myself included, was a little skeptical as to you know how they would bounce back after the season. Drew Breeze is 40. I know Tom Brady's 42, but not everyone at least up to this point, has aged like that. So some of those concerns, I think, are legitimate. But everyone else in the NFC South lost this weekend. So the Saints are a game up on everyone. And, you know, that's obviously a great way to start the season. But from the Texans' perspective, I know they lost, but I was I was still pretty impressed. Just, you know, I thought Deshaun Watson threw the ball really well. And DeAndre Hopkins showed why I thought he 
might be the best receiver in the league he had eight catches for 111 yards and two touchdowns but I know it wasn't it didn't end up being the winning drive but the way Deshaun Watson led them down the field when they were trailing by six points with under a minute left and pretty much carved the Saints defense for on two plays he hit DeAndre Hopkins down the left sideline for about 40 yards and then hit Kenny Stills who they just traded for from Miami for that touchdown it didn't ultimately win them the game but Deshaun Watson's got stones yeah Watson's really really good and there's just no arguing that he is one of the three best young quarterbacks in the league but the biggest thing about them is that you they just had so much roster turnover so late that when you think about just like the NFL team you have training camp and then you use that to like mold your team and the chemistry getting everything together but when you then trade Clowney and then you trade for Tunsil and Kenny Stills, it's like these are big parts of the team that are coming and going. And in the week of the season, it's that that's a big time to add all these guys. So I think it'll take a little bit of time to get Tunsil in with all the protections and everything, and Kenny Stills learn his routes. But Will Fuller played really well. Hopkins was awesome. And adding a guy like Stills, who's a good slot receiver, who can just get open, it's just another weapon. And Stills is key just as a nice little insurance policy, too, because it always seems like Will Fuller is on the injury report. So just to have an assurance of someone of Stills caliber caliber that you can trot out there, I think is huge as well. So Rams, Panthers, David, my biggest takeaway from this game, and I know we talked about it a lot this offseason, I just I don't think Todd Gurley is healthy. And he had 14 rushes for 97 yards, so the numbers – you know, they look all right, but to my eyes, I don't think he looked very comfortable cutting. And if I were the Rams, I know Darnell Henderson is, is their backup and, and Malcolm Brown as well. But I just I would be a little bit queasy when it comes to Todd Gurley and kind of his role in that offense moving forward. Yeah, so I thought this was the most important game of the weekend while I was watching it and kind of afterwards. I think it. I think it tells us the most from 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 the, just the whole weekend as a whole, which is that the Rams are still really good, but I wonder if teams are starting to figure them out because they they run everything out of like it's called the eleven formation, right? And it's like almost all their players are out of one formation, and when they do that they allow a lot of creativity of like even though they line up the same way you never know what they're going to do or who's going to do what but as you said if Gurley's not fully back and teams now have a lot of film also on the way Belichick handled it that you saw in week one part of what the what makes the Patriots great is they can adapt on the fly the Panthers had all off season to get ready to play against this one type of offense and so I was really impressed that the Rams were able to still pull out the win but it's as you said the the second that some of these guys aren't fully healthy, they become more predictable. And the, un- the their unpredictability factor on, on any play is really their big key and their big edge because golf is not good enough to really win games without like the coaching genius of Sean McVay. He's not going to do things on his own, Pat Mahomes style, to that's going to wow you. He's a system quarterback. And the system he's in is awesome. But when, but when you watch the Rams, it's Gurley needs to get healthy. And if he's not healthy, 
that's that's an issue because then I think their play action isn't as effective. And they run a lot of play actions. Like 40% of their plays last year were, were play action. And watching this game too, I, I was just struck by the importance of Cooper Cup in that offense. And he's, he, he's probably not their most skilled receiver, but I think he and Jared Goff have, you know, a unique type of chemistry and just him being there as a little check down receiver, kind of how Brady uses Edelman in a sense. Interesting. I think just, just Cup being there makes Goff a lot more comfortable and getting back to what you said about the the Panthers being ready and you know putting putting out a good showing against that offense the NFL is a copycat league right so when all of the teams around the NFL saw the Rams having success what do they do they try to emulate that offense so when all of these teams are trying to emulate the gold standard that is Sean McVay and and that Rams offense all of a sudden, rather than seeing that offense every other year or twice a year if you're in division or whatever, you're seeing it every other week because teams are putting in some of their plays and some of their concepts. Not necessarily that it becomes easier to defend because I'm not sure if, if that's the case, but I think a lot of teams are just becoming more familiar with it because so many teams are kind of incorporating those schemes and plays and, and, and styles into their offense. So two things, and they're both Patriot-related. One, I think you had the wrong Patriots receiver. I think it's very similar to uh, when Randy Moss was on the path and they had Wes Welker. Because Wes Welker was not the best receiver on the team, but he was such an important safety blanket for Brady those years when they had Moss because Moss was dominant but like welker was getting nine catches a game and or at least that's what it felt like and so and he was felt like he was always open it feels like cooper cup is always open and he's always going to get that target on on third down and it's interesting that, that you say everyone's trying to em- emulate the rams because you could argue the rams are the nfc's gold standard but why don't more t- teams try to emulate the patriots because you would think about it, they've won obviously six super bowls the last 20 years they are the gold standard in professional sports right now, but there's something about it of the mystique and of Belichick and Brady where it f- seems like it feels like they're irre- like un like like no one can replicate what they're doing because like no one has Tom Brady or Bill Belichick, but like somehow the Rams are different. And, and it's interesting, like teams try to do the things that the Pats do, but it's like I would wonder why more teams don't try to do exactly what the Patriots do. They hire tons of Patriots guys, but that, that doesn't usually work out. No, that's what they do. They hire Patriots assistants. We've seen Matt Patricia hired recently. We've seen Mike Vrabel hired recently. He had a big win in Tennessee that we'll hit on in a minute. But I think Belichick is such an unknown commodity. He keeps it so close to the chest that it's tough to kind of you know emulate that. Whereas Sean McVay... Here's a guy who's an open book. He's recalling plays that he ran in high school verbatim. And, you know, that's impressive. But I just think we all know Sean McVay's an offensive mastermind. Everyone kind of knows that Bill Belichick, I mean, he's just an overall mastermind, but he's kind of made his stamp primarily on the defensive side of the ball. I'm just, I, I, I'm not sure if the, 
Belichick model is as easy to replicate, even if you have the ingredients, as we've seen with some of the names we mentioned earlier who have gone elsewhere and failed or are in the process of failing. And if I had to answer that question or if anyone else had to answer that question, it would no longer be a question because, you know, someone would have figured it out by now. But I just think Belichick is kind of a closed book, whereas McVeigh is um, he kind of lets the, the secrets be known, I guess. And I guess I think Ryan Russello was saying this. I want to give him credit. Bill Belichick is the most secure job in the NFL. And what he does is he does things that other coaches can't because he's not worried about getting fired. So many coaches are do things because they're worried about their own job. So... I guess it'll just take a guy who's not worried about his own job security to, to start being more Belichickian. And, and I don't know when that will happen because it's like there's only 32 jobs, you know? There's fewer NFL head coaching jobs than there are senators. And, I mean, the equity Belichick has built up is ridiculous, so he's able to take a chance on an Antonio Brown or he's able to take a chance on a Randy Moss. And, you know, for every one of those that hit, there's 27 Chad Ochocinco's and Albert Hainsworth's and guys of that ilk who were given the opportunity but failed. But because Belichick is so good at roster construction, he's just so good at roster management that we kind of, you know, toss those to the side and don't ridicule him over those because he's not relying upon stars to really have him be a contender year in and year out. It's really him just you know putting together the best roster that he can every year he does not matter what you've done before it's what can you do for me now and what can you do for me this season and I think that's really unique when it comes to how you know players are treated and how teams are run throughout the NFL yeah but it's really interesting I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how the Rams recover because just going back to them for one quick second it's also the Super Bowl hangover is a real thing and they lost the Super Bowl. Usually, that a lot of times that team you lose the Super Bowl, you don't make the playoffs the next year. And it was impressive to see them come out with a win. And, and the last thing from this game that I, I want to just point out is Christian McCaffrey. He was awesome. He was awesome. He was awesome. But his, his workload, they are super reliant on him, and their offense basically goes through them. And obviously, Cam is their quarterback, and quarterbacks are immeasurably valuable. But, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, 19 carries, 128 yards, two touchdowns, and then he has 10 catches as well. I just – I hope they don't wear him down, and I know they've tried to draft some other weapons, Curtis Samuel. They have DJ Moore, some of these guys, but I, I kind of feel as though their offense is a little too predicated on getting the ball to Christian McCaffrey – and I just if, if he were to suffer an injury or he were to go down or something, I think all of a sudden everything would crumble in Carolina. He's he's their whole team, man, because you don't know how healthy Cam is. They need like <clears throat> Christian McCaffrey should be wrapped in bubble wrap on 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 the team plane like he should be handled with care. All right. Last game, Dave. Titans Browns. This game, I don't think, was as lopsided as the 43-13 to 13 score might indicate. It wasn't pretty for Cleveland. They had 18 penalties. Baker Mayfield threw, threw three interceptions. But if you're a Cleveland fan, do you think it's time to panic, or is this just kind of a blip on the radar? It is panic mode. Panic, panic, panic. 
as Delaney Walker said, they are who we thought they were. And I think everyone forgot that these are the Browns who we are talking about. Yes, they have a ton of talent, but Freddie Kitchens doesn't really know what he's doing. And they have talent, but they have talent who hasn't really done anything in, in the league. And it was shown, like, this was a, clearly a team that let all the talk get, get, get to their head because they came out and were not ready to play. Yeah, I don't think they were ready to play. Like I said, I don't really think the score was indicative of the game itself. Cleveland, I think actually Cleveland scored the first touchdown of the game, so wipe that off the board, and all of a sudden it's it's 43-7, to, to seven, and, you know, that's that's a butt-whooping, but... Honestly, the Titans, I've I've been kind of high on them for a little while. For sure, yeah. I don't love Mariota, but I, I really like their roster. And A.J. Brown, their rookie wide receiver out of Ole Miss, looks like he could kind of be that outside threat that they've so long been looking for. And, you know, now Derrick Henry is, is not only running people over, but he's also making plays in the passing game. And we, we spoke to Bill Belichick and why some of his – pupils don't really have much success once they leave new england but i I think mike vrabel might be one of the first guys to kind of buck that trend and and be the first successful protege of belichick you know uh, andrew Andrew luck obviously retired uh nick Foles is hurt and there's just kind of a, a a sense of uncertainty in houston so i mean if, if you're selling Titan stock, I'm, I'm willing to buy it. I mean, people forget that, and I'm guilty of this too, too. Weren't they one Blaine Gabbert start away from making the playoffs last year? Yes. And their defense is really good. Like, don't sleep on that. Defense is real up front. They have a nice secondary too. Kenny Byard, Malcolm Butler. So they have some dudes back there. They have the personnel. They have the experience. I mentioned Derrick Henry. Deion Lewis is a nice little change of pace back. I think the Titans Titans might be a team to watch. They're definitely not on the level of a Kansas City or a New England, but on that, you know, second tier in the AFC, I could see, you know, I could see the Titans having a home playoff game this year. I wouldn't go that far, but I think they could be good this year. I, I see like 10 and 6 maybe. All right, Dave, who this weekend, if you had to crown one person as your winner, who would it be? It's got to be Lamar Jackson because all the talk all offseason, I was guilty of this too, was are we sure this guy is a quarterback? And he proved that he is a quarterback. So the fact that he confirmed that the position he's playing is the position and throws five touchdowns and everything, he he wins the week easily. Yeah, that's not a bad pick. I Personally, I went Dak Prescott because here's a guy who he was the center of conversation all offseason. You know, is he elite? Should the Cowboys pay him? Is he really that serious that he wants $40 million a year? Well, Dak, he operated in silence, and and when it was time to go, he showed out and carved the Giants to the tune of 405 yards and four touchdowns. And I absolutely loved what Lamar Jackson did on Sunday, but, but to me, I think Dak won the weekend. Let me jump in about our two winners. This was against probably the two worst defenses in the whole league. Very so, true. so take it with a grain of salt for for what you will. The Giants and the Dolphins. I mean, I don't know, if, like if they could stop a nosebleed. So, there's going to be a lot of big numbers against both of their their defenses this year. And your loser for the weekend, Dave? It's got to be the Browns. 
People talk about the Browns. Oh, going to make the Super Bowl. They're they're back, baby. Or not really back, but they have finally arrived. And you lose by 30 at home in a demoralizing fashion. That, then all week, not only did people talk about how bad you were, Odell's wearing this $75,000 watch, and it's like a distraction. And I think they played the Jets this week. So, like, oh, well, at least they'll beat the Jets. But, like, I don't know, man. Yeah, that's not a terrible pick honestly i probably would have chose that but i wanted i wanted to deviate a little bit there were definitely a few options to choose from but i'm gonna go with the team that i was most disappointed in and that's the pittsburgh steelers to be embarrassed like that on sunday night football is quite the start to the bellless and and brownless era and they were completely obliterated by the patriots in foxborough and i didn't expect them to win the game but I also didn't really expect a Mike Tomlin coach team with kind of a chip on their shoulder to just roll over either I understand they lost the week and they were so bad but they always do this man it's like you just start the season oh well that's an L like they can't beat the Patriots they're like afraid of the Patriots and they can never beat them they can't ever beat them in Foxborough and it's like Brady sees the Steelers and he's like, this is awesome, man. <laughs> I've been playing them for 20 years. They still, they still know how to, how to stop me. I, I guess in, in the NFL, I guess a loss is a loss. And whether they had lost 33 to 30 or 33 to 3, as they did, it's, it's still the same in the standings. But for a team that I thought maybe had the potential to be a threat in the AFC, it was, it was definitely disappointing. I mean, do the Steelers watch film? Like, do they watch any film to get ready? It's almost like they just go out and like, eh, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> like, whoop, whoop. This, is, this is not a, a Bill Belichick praise session, but I was reading something the other day that obviously they're without Rob Gronkowski this year. I still think he's going to wind up and play. He's actually on the bench of my fantasy team for when that does happen because – mark it down i think it will but they played last year they had 24 plays in which they went empty which essentially means they didn't have a a tight end on the field and so 24 times all last season they did that they did that on sunday night 25 times so talk about working with what you have bill belichick is probably the best at that yeah i mean anything talked about in football Bill Belichick is probably the best at it, you know? Shout out Wes. Wes. I think he was 74, 73. It's, it's amazing what happens when you uh, leave Cleveland. No doubt about it. We'll see what happens to Hugh Jackson, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture a guess that he does not go on to have the revival or the second act that Bill Belichick's had. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd say, that's, I'd say that's a safe assumption. Yeah. Anyway, Kelly, was, you know, this was a great recap. Hopefully uh, next week we get to talk a little college football too and just ready for, for week two. Can't wait, man. Football's back. There is not a better time of the year. We got the baseball playoffs coming up. Basketball season's about to tip off. So the quiet of the sports summer is now behind us. That'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Five stars would be much appreciated. If you have any feedback for the show, good, bad, or indifferent, please 
shoot us a note. Our email account is double double four zero two at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us. Our Twitter handle is DBL underscore DBL podcast. Any thoughts or feedback would be greatly appreciated. Thanks again for listening. Take care and make it a great day.